Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the most perfect pleated skirt, the second piece of the Impact Winter Capsule, is available. I designed this skirt to be universally flattering on all body shapes, all body types, and especially most body sizes. It's available in sizes 2 through 24, like everything on my line, and the it, the most special detail, or my most favorite detail, I guess you could say about it, is the paper bag pleating on top. What that does is that it creates this beautiful waistline that is really flattering and just balances out the shape. I think that when we think of pleated skirts, we either have flashbacks to our uniform days or we think about things that are really just not cute, that are just not designed in a way to work with our bodies in a in a great way. So I wanted to fix that. The most perfect pleated skirt is available in three gorgeous colors. There is olive green, black, and this beautiful slate that's like a blue gray that has been the um, far and away favorite from this launch, which honestly, I'm kind of surprised the black isn't it, but whatever. I digress. Point is, you can get yours at impactfashionnyc.com. If you're listening to this around the time when it is released, then those there's a giant banner on the site right when you go there. If not, then you can go to separates. It's called the Most Perfect Pleated Skirt, and I can't wait for you to get yours. Enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rifki Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a personal trainer about that time she thought she signed up for a gym class, how that led her to transition from a totally sedentary lifestyle to her current career, and how her pregnancy shaped her approach to mental and physical health forever. I was first introduced to Esther Taub through my friend Hadassah Goldberg. She shared this vivacious, bubbly fitness instructor that wasn't using phrases like burn those pounds or work off the weight, and I was intrigued. I've since had the pleasure of becoming friends with Esther, and she really does have a totally unique way of approaching the way we move our bodies. What I was like as a little kid, I'm gonna say uh, really loud. <laughs> I'll start with that. Um, yeah, I was always just an energetic little kid. I was always, you know, the kid that kind of, I, I guess I really liked attention. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> Don't we all? Kid. I feel like that has to happen at some point for all kids at some point, but I definitely, like, I watch home videos of myself and I remember just getting like, I saw this video of me getting so upset when like someone else would blow up my like candles from my birthday, let's say. And I don't know why. Like I like these are things that just I like watch from like when I was little. And I'm like, wow, I really liked attention, huh? We all <laughs> um, do. But, yeah. yeah, I guess I don't know. But anyways, I overall loved uh, I definitely know I loved being very energetic and moving around as a kid and always up for um you know, gym class or camp, like those were my favorite things. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much me. <laughs> that, that, that sounds pretty perfect. Do you, at what point, like, was there ever a point when you realized like, oh, I really like attention. And then did you do anything about that? Or were you just like, this is how I am? Um, I think it was really like, I, I wouldn't make it sound like in a bad way, but I really feel like I took it in a way that just kind of like, I should make myself, um, I guess, really do the right thing in, when it comes to wanting attention. Like making sure that my 
Um, like if anyone is, is drawn towards me or if I'm like, you know, displaying any form of like attention or whatever, I want to make sure that I am, I am always like, I guess using it in the right way, if that makes sense. Um, that makes perfect sense. I don't think that wanting attention is necessarily a bad trait. I, yeah, I think that I it's something that everyone has, even if they don't admit it. Right. And, um, and yeah, I, I don't think that it's a, that it's a bad thing, but it's always interesting to me when people realize that like, that's their motivation on some level. Yeah, um, I feel like, I feel like that was always helpful for me kind of like growing up in this way where I basically like, I don't know, I was always someone that just, I never was shy. I was never a shy person. And so I guess in the way that really did help me in life, like, I feel like I was just, I was always a person was never embarrassed to do things. Um, and I feel like that's a huge reason why my business, like in a way is, um, you know, where it is today. I feel like I, I just can act like a crazy person or, you know, be very wild or, um, do things that I feel not usually people will do. And I just, I don't really care. Like, I don't mind getting that attention, I guess the word is, or I'm just not embarrassed. Um, so yeah, I feel like that is something that has really been helpful for me in my career, especially with, you know, sometimes I have opinions that are just not the most popular, I guess. And you just have to be a person who's just not shy to say what you're really feeling and what you're really thinking. So I feel like that's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely hear that. To be without inhibitions. It's a skill. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Um, I'm curious, just because I'm always curious, did you always live in Israel? Uh, no. So I moved to Israel when I was 11 years old. Um, I moved here along with my family. And it was actually funny, the way we got to Israel was, um, my mom was definitely not, we came from New York, my mom was not interested in moving to Israel at all. My dad was really Zionistic, it was a huge dream, dream of his, and he kind of convinced my mom, like, all right, let's just go for a year. Let's just go to Israel for one year and just, like, as a vacation, just for fun. And we did that, and basically, at the end of the year, when we were supposed to move back to New York, um, my dad, I have four other siblings, and my dad asked us all, he said, do you guys want to go back to America? And he, he fully left it up to us. He really thought it was, you know, really important for us to be happy with the decision of where we live, et cetera. And um, we pretty much all were like, we love Israel. We actually like it way better here. And that's what happened. We just ended up staying. Um, and I'm really happy we did. <laughs> that's, that's a fantastic way to, you know, you hear too many stories of people who made any kind of move, but specifically that Aliyah that moved to Israel mm -hmm. that, you know, is kind of, it can backfire. It can backfire a lot. Oh, for sure. I've heard so many stories from people um, that were not <laughs> similar to mine. I know I'm very, very lucky in this area. My oldest sibling, when we came here, he was 18 and the youngest was two years old. And, uh, you know, that's like, there's especially like, like they always say teenagers. I had an older sister also who was uh, 16 at the time. And it definitely, like, these are ages that are very much you know, can be very difficult to uproot yourself, move to a different country, you don't speak the language. Um, but I don't know, there was something about maybe just our class. I, it, for me specifically, I know my siblings feel pretty much mutually about this, but I just, this was something I really felt when moving to Israel. Um, and in comparison to just where I lived, I just felt like here, everyone, it, it, was, it was something, it was just a realization the popular girl in class, and this is literally as an 11 year old, I learned this, the popular girl in class in Israel was the girl who was nice to everybody. <laughs> and it was just so refreshing and so nice. And for me, at least in my class, you know, 
uh, back in America. It just, it wasn't exactly like that. Um, you know, it was like, it was just really different and it was just so refreshing to me and I love that. And with that, like, as you understand, it just, everyone was so nice to each other here. And I don't know, they thought I was like, cool because I couldn't speak Hebrew <laughs> like they just wanted everyone wanted to talk to me and like oh the girl who doesn't know how to talk like let's be her friend <laughs> it was just so nice and I felt so welcomed and I, I, I really was happy to stay in Israel um, after I was given the choice whether or not to go back and this is even as an 11 year old so I'm, I know I'm very very blessed with my classmates um, who uh, were there for me in sixth grade that was really special yeah, that's that's a really special thing to have. So you you're in Israel. You go through the Israeli school system um, as as an Ola, as someone who like immigrated to Israel. Did you do the army service thing? So I did Shirut Leumi, that is uh, basically national service for um, generally religious girls um, like to take that path. Obviously, many people can do it, you know, there's lots of different reasons why you can choose this path. Um, that person personally at the time was uh, the most fitting for me. Um, I'll be honest, looking back on it, I think I would have had such a wonderful time as like a fitness instructor in the army or whatever. Um, I definitely have changed a lot since... Uh, I guess I was 18, like 18 at the time. Um, but yeah, I went to a very religious high school and it was just like kind of the path that uh, everyone was really led to, to do national service as opposed to the army. Um, and, but I, I really did enjoy it. I'm really happy I did. It's just looking back, I feel like that is an experience. I do wish I could, you know, tell my grandchildren about one day that I was in the army, but it's all good. Um, and for what I did for my national service was actually work in Nefesh Benefesh, um, which I'm obviously a huge fan of the work that they do. And, um, and I was a really like, they helped me make Aliyah. And so it was just, you know, seemed very fitting for me to be able to help, help with, help them with, uh, the service that they do. Yeah. Nefesh Benefesh is this fantastic organization within Israel that because there are so many people who want to immigrate to Israel, it mm -hmm. helps facilitate that process. Cause there's a ridiculous amount of paperwork that's got to happen to make, oh to, to immigrate yeah. to any country and, yeah. uh, you know, to facilitate that process can be, can be difficult. Um, so yeah, Nefesh Benefesh is someone is, is an organization that takes care of that. And you're, mm -hmm. and you're so uniquely, uniquely suited to help with that because you yeah. had that experience. I mean, as a kid, but still the same. Also, the yeah. fact that you spoke really good English was probably a yeah helpful for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And at yeah. what point? So you're 18. You you do this community service. You're you're at Nefesh Benefesh, and then what do you do next? What happens after? So uh, there was a part of my point in my life is actually where it kind of gets a little honestly funny. <laughs> um, so two things kind of happen next. I decided that uh, after working in Nefesh Benefesh, I kind of, I mean, throughout high school, throughout middle school, I only spoke Hebrew. Like I was completely, you know, Israeli, like at some point. And then when working in Nefesh Benefesh, I think I kind of realized that I relate a little bit more to the American or English speaking culture um, a lot more than the Israeli culture. Um, and so I literally decided I was going to go move to Givat Shmuel, go to Bar Ilan, um, also, I actually also studied in Ort, um, uh, which is like right at the edge of Tel Aviv, right near Givat Shmuel. Um, and I studied architecture and interior design and logistics and finance, which was a crazy, you know, experience like all those four years. But um, it was just really funny how I kind of, and like, I'm really learning this about myself now, you know, years and years later, but I kind of decided where to 
study and where to go, honestly, according to just the population of like the people that, that, you know, I would be around. And Givat Shmuel is um, in the center of Israel. It is very um, English speak. Like it's, it's usually populated. There's a huge population here of Americans and English speakers. And I just felt like that would be, you know, much more fitting to me. I wanted to, you know, find a husband that was American. It just, it was like funny how I just kind of decided where I wanted to educate myself, um, which is so important. But I really like as an 18 year old just was like, okay, I'm just going to go according to where, you know, people that I feel I, I connect with more are, which is, it is important. Um, but anyways, once I did that, um, I also decided that um, I guess this was at like really the beginning. This was really at the end of my national service year. So I decided this is kind of goes into what I'm doing today. Um, and this is where the story gets really comical. And I'm like almost embarrassed sometimes when I say it, but it's just, this is what happened. So basically I, um, I remember during my national service year, I wanted to be you know, somewhat active. I wanted to sign up for some kind of fitness class. Um, so with my Hebrew, I guess I'm, I'm really not that great at researching um, things. And I looked online and thought I signed up for a class, which basically would be a fitness class twice a week. Um, it seemed like some sort of strength, 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 ah, strength training class um, that we would, uh, yeah, that I'd be able to be active in twice a week throughout my you know, national service year. And um, yeah, so I was really excited about it. And I sign up and it looked like the first day of the class was like really literally that day. And it just was all a little bit rushed. And I just like, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I have to leave right now. Ran there. Great. Go to the class. I'm in my workout clothes. And I see there's a whole big class of people and I'm in the right place. I double checked them in the right place and they're all sitting at desks. Um, in front of, you know, a teacher and a whiteboard, and he's talking all about nutrition, and, you know, the anatomy of the body, and I'm just, like, very confused, but I just didn't really say anything, I just sat there, and I just didn't get it, I was like, maybe they do this a little bit before every workout, whatever it is, I, um, I ended up sitting there for three whole hours, not understanding what was flying at all, but getting some sort of education about the human anatomy. Great. Um, afterwards, we all head out into a studio, a workout room, um, and everyone just seems to know what's going on. Everyone changes into workout clothes, and um, yeah, and then we're sitting down, and a teacher comes into the classroom and starts talking to us about how to have confidence and how to guide a class when you're teaching them and everything. And I'm literally sitting there and I just, it hits me that I actually, I didn't sign up for fit, fitness classes. I signed up for a course to become a personal trainer. <laughs> and I had no idea. I literally had no clue. That and is I remember, fantastic. <laughs> this is literally how it all started. And I literally remember, this is like, you know, 18, 19 year old me, I'm sitting down and I'm just like getting, you know, hit in the face, just realizing what just happened. And I'm like, you know, I remember just, I have this very vivid memory. I look in the mirror and I just look at my reflection and I look at myself and I say, you know, I'd be good at that. Okay. <laughs> and I just sit there and continue and finish the course. And that's literally how it all started. Um, and then throughout college, like I did end up still studying architecture and logistics and finance and all that stuff but I was um while I was happening I wanted to make like extra money on the side so with this degree 
I'm sorry, with this uh, certification from Wingate, it was in Wingate College, that's what the college was called where I did the course, um, the personal training course. I basically was just giving like kickboxing classes on the side and um, running, like a running group on the side and uh, it slowly but surely turned into personal training through that. So that's yeah, fantastic. That, that's pretty much how it all happened. <laughs> that is fantastic. I'm curious, had you always been someone who went to the gym and worked out a lot? Oh, definitely not. Um, definitely not. I actually never had a gym membership in my life um, up until up until like uh, you know a couple of years ago. But I really had never been someone who was familiar at all with the gym. Um, I'd always been active. I loved running, but like that was all I really knew. Um, I knew I just loved being active and you know gym class. I love playing dodgeball and things like that. But I was never you know one of those people who understand everything that's going on when it comes to fitness or in the gym. Um, the way I actually got into it um, is also a silly story. Um, <laughs> I'm a silly person. You're going to learn this about me very soon. Anyway, <laughs> um, the way it happened was this was also in my year in national service. There was um, a coworker of mine who I was very close with. He was such a wonderful person. And he, um, he basically, his wife at the time had cancer. Um, so his wife uh, was a part of an organization called Zichron Menachem, um, and uh, this is an organization that you know helps just people in this situation. And I, I guess he was saying this as a joke, but he kind of said to me when the Jerusalem Marathon was coming up, and then I'm talking like in like two and a half weeks from that, he said, "Hey Esther, like you like running or whatever, like do you um, are you gonna go sign up to uh, raise money for Zichron Menachem?" Um, you know, and basically run the Jerusalem Marathon. And I remember just looking at him and being like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do it. And he's like, no, 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 Esther, I don't think you understand. You have to, I was joking. Like, you have to train for months to do a marathon. And I was like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, let's, let's go. I'll do it. And he's like, no, no, please listen to me. You don't know what you're talking about. And this is just me expressing to you, just for you to understand how little I understood about anything in the fitness world, including running. I literally was just like, I can run. Let's go. I'll just do it. And, and for anyone who's listening, like, when you're running for a marathon or training for a marathon, it takes months. I'm talking like six months of training properly in order to run a marathon. Um, and, you know, 18-year-old me was just like, let's go. Let's do it. And he, he, this friend of mine in Nefesh Benefesh, he was like, please don't do this. I beg of you. At least, at least sign up for the half marathon. The half marathon is uh, still a lot. It's 13 miles. Um, but that was like kind of the most he convinced me to uh, – step down from so I said okay fine I signed up for the half marathon I did it it was literally the worst experience of my life <laughs> um, I finished sorry if this is too like gory but I literally finished with my feet like bleeding there was actually blood on the bottom of my feet um it was so unpleasant I had to walk for so much of it I had such a just a horrible time but um you know that's really what can happen if you go into a marathon without training for it and even a half one. Um, and I do remember, though, what I will say, even though the experience itself wasn't great, I do remember this very, very vivid memory of crossing the finish line and thinking to myself, Esther, 
you're going to do this again next year and you're going to train for it. You're going to actually train properly for it and you should even do the full one. And I decided actually to do it and commit to training properly. And yeah, that's kind of how it all really started and how I got into actual like fitness. And that's even why I thought to sign up for those fitness classes. It really all started from there. And lo and behold, I did sign up for a marathon, the Jerusalem marathon, um, I'm sorry, the Tel Aviv Marathon the next year, and I ran the full marathon um, successfully without any any injuries or bleeding feet or anything like that. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how that all started. See, herein lies the difference between you and me, because I also did a half marathon a couple of years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, um, no, no, it was not amazing. Um, <laughs> it was not amazing on any level. A friend of mine, I have a friend who is like very into fitness and also just generally very adventurous, and she had like we had spoken about it a little bit before and she said she's a real runner she's like okay mm -hmm. we're doing it we live near each other we'll mm -hmm. hold each other accountable we'll train together this is going to be fantastic and i'm not going to mm -hmm. say that i didn't train um but i certainly didn't train properly mm -hmm. and we were you know working up towards it for a little bit like we had done a 5k and then maybe like a 10k and whatever it was we mm -hmm. we also didn't know what we it's, were doing it's, so yeah, it it's hard the whole training process is hard yeah and also like we didn't really know what we were doing so mm -hmm. it was a kind of thing we were like okay so like one day we'll run a mile and then the next day we'll run a mile and a half and then by a week right. later we'll be running 10 miles like we just didn't know right. what we were doing um mm -hmm. and then i did the half marathon and it took me like four hours and it was hellish and I hated every second of it. And, but my, my feelings difference between you and I is that after I finished that half marathon, I said, I have done this. Now I never need to run ever again because I'm half marathon. I am officially superwoman, and now I don't gotta I work. That. I don't gotta worry about this ever because this I is love that crossed off my list and finished. So yeah, I find it hysterical that someone can have a hellish half marathon experience and then decide that they're gonna do it well, properly. Good for you. You should. Thank you. Thank you very much. But also good for you. You should know, like, I'm aware that I'm the minority here. That is definitely a very normal thought to have. But really, you should understand how incredible, like, I, I hope you do understand, like, that is a massive accomplishment. And yes, I am very proud of it. I'm also never doing it again. Yeah, there you go. It's I don't have to. I've done it already. In your pocket, it's done. Boom. Right, exactly. Oh, and I remember, um, do you know Deborah Soroka? She's DS Wig Design on Instagram. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I definitely have her. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I she's run, I think, like nine marathons. She's a real oh, wow. runner. Oh, um, and, and I remember when I, like, she was posting about, like, a marathon or a half marathon that she had done, like, as, like, a training thing um, mm -hmm. when right around the time that I did my half marathon. And mm -hmm. I could not get over the fact that her marathon time was shorter than my half marathon time. <laughs> which I just found to be hysterical. And I, and I was just like, this is fantastic. Cause like literally if she would have ran backwards, she would have beat me on this. By the way, marathon. just to make you feel a little better over here, fun fact, I know I can run for a long time, but I am actually very slow. Um, my full, I, I've done two full marathons in my life. The first one took me six hours and 23 minutes. That is a lot That's more than average. And the, the next one, the next year, took me five hours and 20, I'm sorry, I think it was like 21 minutes. Um, but yeah. Good for you. I'm that's a huge amount of time really to get rid of. <laughs> Thank you. Thank that's, you very much. That's a huge <laughs> amount of time to get rid of in one year. Anyways, we're getting, we're getting distracted. But, uh, you yeah, know, through these experiences, time. this is what, you know, through these experiences and, and accidentally ending up in a fitness course, um, mm -hmm. led you to become a personal trainer. 
And mm-hmm. at what point did you realize that this could become a real business? So it really was a slow process. It was a very slow, gradual process. Um, and listen, I'm going to be completely honest here. I know everything I promote at all times is believe in yourself, self-love, all that jazz. Um, but I definitely am also a very, just my personality is to be very, very, I guess, realistic is the word. Um, I definitely believe in myself, but even after my business was thriving, it really was. I started with kickboxing classes, which started with literally three girls in my apartment, one of the girls being my roommate, and you know, no one actually knew about me, whatever, but that class slowly turned into five girls and eventually to 23 women um, where I had to, you know, relocate into uh, onto the co- college campus uh, nearby, um, give the class there. I then started giving CrossFit classes and then a running group. And then eventually after I'm saying, I'm talking like years of giving these kind of classes, one person reached out to me um, from one of the, one of the running groups and said, I would love for you to be my personal trainer. Uh, and it started with that. And it was so scary. It really was. I remember being, you know, scared. Like I wanted to make sure I was doing everything right and everything I had learned and making sure I did everything perfectly for this new client. And um, it actually was amazing. It was like so wonderfully fun. And I was like, wow, this is something I would love to be able to do for the rest of my life. Um, And slowly but surely I had a, I got a couple new clients here and there. um, And I, this was towards the end of um, my co- the end of college where I was finishing up architecture and I just was being honest with myself and I thought that it was um, kind of time to just you know move on go to some architecture firm work a desk job you know nine to five and just that's what my degree in is my degree is in so I should probably do that um, even though I'll be honest I didn't really love architecture all that much but you know I studied it so I guess I got to go with it right. But um, I just remember this conversation very, very clearly. This was uh, with my husband, who I think at the time was, I think we were dating at the time, and we may have been engaged, whatever it is. Um, he told me, he said, Esther, you love personal training. You cannot drop something that you love this much. And if you don't, like, he basically convinced me to, you know, you know, working for yourself is scary or managing your own business and completely just not knowing, you know, just income wise, what's going to be every month, or if you're going to continue to get clients, it's a really scary thing. But I just remember this conversation really clearly of him saying, you must believe in yourself because there's no way you can give up something that you love this much and that you're this good at. So uh, yeah, he kind of really was the one who gave me that um, initial push. And I'm so happy he did because yeah, I, I really haven't done anything with architecture, but um, my business essentially flourished into what it is today um, because of that initial push. So that's kind of how that started. That's, that's fantastic. And um, how would you say that your approach to fitness is different from what we would consider a conventional approach? So um, I think that my main I think very often when you think of a personal trainer or a fitness enthusiast, you think of someone who is just there to make you look a certain way, right? I, you know, I'm going to my personal trainer because I want to have a six pack. I want to be able, I want to look this, I want to look this, like there's just so many 
there's so much talk about the way that you are supposed to look when it comes to the fitness industry. I am a very different trainer in the sense that, especially in the last few years, I, um, I like to emphasize the fact that health looks different on everyone. It's not fair for someone to, um, to just be completely appearance driven and kind of assume that they have to look a certain way because they've worked out, you know, a certain way. It's just, it's not fair to yourself because again, I've been in this industry now for almost nine, nine, 10 years. And it's basically, <laughs> I've just seen this over and over. Like there's people who I have trained who, you know, I'll train with them. Everyone has different genetics. Everyone has different way that they are built. Everyone, you know, will end up looking a certain way. I literally have, have used the same tactics um, when it comes to training on, let's say, um, one person. And this woman will, within you know two months, have a six-pack, and she won't be working relatively like that hard. While I'll have another client who has completely different genetics than her and could be working out in the same way with my same rule, like tactics and methods and everything. And yet with her, it will take a year for to, to see even you know the slightest kind of difference in terms of her physical appearance while both of these women are changing their life when it comes to their health and it's just so unfair to go into a fitness you know routine or a or a um go and, and basically decide i am doing this only to look a certain way because you might not ever look a certain way. You are you. Your genetics are you. You are uniquely beautiful in your own way. And it's so unfair to have the mentality of I am only worthy or healthy if I look a certain way that is just so false. So as a personal trainer, I feel it's my heart and it's my job to start just kind of helping the world wake up a little bit. I can't even tell you. There's so many people who will come up to me like, hey, Esther, like, it's so crazy. I just have a slow metabolism. I don't a fast metabolism. I don't know what it is, but I literally eat, you know, pasta and cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And these people happen to be very built very with a very small frame. They're just very, you know, thin, small people. And no matter what they eat or exercise, whatever, they just, you know, won't get larger. Whereas I know I'm literally thinking of two specific women in my mind, while I know another woman who works so hard. She's in a CrossFit class. She's in my online program. She is, um, she's a gymnast and she literally works out. I'm pretty sure five intense days a week. She loves it. Um, and she's been doing this for years and yet somehow her frame and her build, you know, you would look at her and the way society has built us to kind of look at these things, you would look at her and not even know that she works out because she has a bigger frame. And that's so unfair and just so silly in my eyes and the way I approach, uh, you know, fitness and, and health and overall. So I kind of have this new stop focusing on assuming things about people by just the way that they look because it's so silly to do that. Rather instead understand that health looks different on every, on every human being. And that when you go into your fitness journey or your health journey, like you should be focusing on health. Okay. Physical results are great. If that's something that's important to you, that's wonderful. It's, that's great. But the main thing that you need to be focusing on when you go into fitness is improving your health. 
improving your confidence, your strength, your, the way that you're just your quality of life. Like you, you know, you can decide to be a grandmother one day who can play around with their kids or can't play around with their kids. Like, I'm sorry, with their grandkids. Like there's just, there is, it's, it's in your hands. So I feel so passionately about helping people get to a place of health. Um, and so passionately at the same time at helping them realize that the way they look is not the, the way we should, the, the factor basically that we should be focusing on. It's just so irrelevant um, as we are just all built differently. And that's just something we have to really, really remember. Yeah. I mean, when you have this idea, I mean, there's always this idea in fitness and in dieting, and it's very tied into diet culture and all that, that, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you engage in certain behaviors, then you will become healthier and healthier usually just means smaller. And that's not in the cards for everyone. Um, Correct. What would you say to someone who is maybe, you know, working out with a very specific physical goal in mind? I want to lose 30 pounds or whatever it is. Um, what, what would you say to someone who has that, you know, very specific physical goal and is maybe getting discouraged from either not being able to reach it or um, constantly hitting roadblocks or something along those lines? So that's a great question because uh, this is definitely something I, you know, speak to my, um, you know, my clients and my lifestyle, my online clients um, all the time um, about this kind of thing. And the way it works is as follows. Um, you, first, the first thing I would do with this kind of person is make sure that they have their reason and their why, I like to sometimes call it, basically really, really clear for them. Okay. So if their reason, and I, I really try to help out when it comes to this, like the mindset, if their reason is purely just physical or purely just a number on the scale, which don't even get me started about the scale and how irrelevant it can be to a person's health journey, et cetera, um, or even, you know, fat loss journey, whatever it is, uh, we can get on that subject afterwards. But when someone basically has their deep, deep reason, I say, what is your reason? What is your why? What is the reason you, you know, approached me today? What is the reason you decided you should be working out? And if their reason is completely just, I need to see a number on a scale, that's it, that's it. You know, I won't, you know, completely turn around, walk away and say, you're lost, peace out. You know what I mean? I will obviously help them. But my first approach would be to try to help them figure it out in terms of their mindset, if they have the right mindset. If you know, if physical, if the physical or the number on the scale is truly the most important thing in the world. Um, and I'll start with that and, you know, speak to them with certain methods of just understanding how important your health is and, and how that should be first. Um, I'll definitely start with that. And once we've covered that, I completely have no problem with anyone having physical goals or certain, you know, weight goals. That's fine. Um, and I respect that. I think everyone has the right to look however they want to look. And that's not my place to decide if they, you know, should care if they're going to look a certain way or not. But um, my first thing that I'll always try to emphasize is that health should come first. If you have a physical goal, that's wonderful. That's great. That's perfect for you. That's then that's what we're going to go with, but just try to make sure it's your secondary, you know, goal. Once we have that, I will make sure that we start them on a lifestyle change. And when I say that, I mean, working in healthy, um, changes, habits, 
things in their life when it comes to fitness, when it comes to nutrition and eating um, that are not extreme and that are changes that they can maintain for the rest of their life. I will never, ever put someone on a diet that I'll say, hey, let's just, you know, eat way less than your body is supposed to be eating and work out way over train, you know, like till you feel like you're going to throw up and get you to a place. Just do that for like a month, maybe two months. And trust me, you're going to lose weight. Trust me, we'll get to those 30 pounds off. Like that's just such an unfair, if a trainer ever tells you that, like run away. They are a big part of, you know, the diet culture, uh, you know, world and that is just so not what it sh should be about it should be about respecting if someone wants to lose that weight or get down to a certain you know um uh physical look whatever it is that's totally fine i respect that but i will never ever encourage them to do it in a way that is a too quick for their body b not manageable um for their body and um essentially c not something that they can keep up long term. So that's what it has to be about. It has to be, you know, they ha we have to make sure that we're getting foods for them that they actually enjoy, they can actually make and are nutritious, um, that they're doing a routine, uh, workout routine that actually fits with their lifestyle. If they have five kids at home and I'm saying you have to work out five days a week, like that's probably not going to work. That's like setting someone up for failure almost. Like, I mean, obviously some people are different and I would, have all the respect for people who can pull that off. But if someone comes to me and says, I have never been able to work out before because my life is so crazy. I have a full-time job and kids at home and whatever it is, I will make sure that we're deciding what their fitness routine is according to what they are physically capable of doing right now. And hopefully we can, you know, maybe add in and change in terms of like adding in in the future. But at the end of the day, it needs to be something that they can keep up for the rest of their life and not something that they can only keep up short term for just a month or two. Yeah, it sounds like you have a, a really more holistic approach to fitness and health in general. And it's almost like, it seems to me like you're taking into account people's mental health when addressing mm -hmm. their physical health. Yes. Oh my gosh. First of all, I'm so happy that you picked up on that. That is really, really important to me um, when it comes to fitness. And listen, I'm going to be completely honest. I was not always this I did not always have this kind of clarity. Um, I think that um, I could I could give my personal story if you'd like of just how I got to this mindset. I'd love to hear understanding that. How, yeah, so uh, just explaining how I got to the mindset of understanding how mental health is a huge factor or you're just mental, the, the mental part of fitness is just so huge and so connected to what, um, to getting you to any goal. Um, so we just can't forget about our mental health health and, um, just what's going on in your head. And, um, uh, my story specifically of just how I kind of made that mindset switch, because I'm being completely honest, I was not always like that. I, you know, at first started out as a trainer who was just like two plus two equals four. That's it. You want to lose weight? This is what we have to do. Okay, done. But like, being in this industry for years and and working with so many different people i it's literally just through experience i learned how important the mental health um has to do factor has to do with people's um health goals so with me specifically um the way it began it was honestly relatively recently this was about i want to say uh, almost two years ago 
Um, and this is when I got pregnant with my first child, with, with my son. Um, and I remember just having this mentality where, and I'm just being completely honest, this was completely what was going through my head. Um, it kind of was like, okay, Esther, from here on out, you're only going to be getting larger. Your body is only going to start expanding in a beautiful, wonderful way. And, um, you know, I was very excited about that. At the same time, I still told myself, I was like, I can either go in the direction of, okay, I'm pregnant now, so I'm going to get larger, might as well eat whatever I want. And, you know, when I say whatever I want, I mean, in a, in a negative way in terms of, um, like, go overboard, whatever I want in terms of like, yeah, I should just have cookies and cake and ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner. And that's it. Who cares? Right? Like, you can't, you're not gonna be able to tell. I mean, I don't know if I, I think this might be a little bit exaggerated, but I'm just saying it's just for people to understand just how different uh, the mindset changes. But whatever it is, I definitely was like, okay, this is my point to decide. Am I going to be, you know, that kind of mindset with this pregnancy and just, you know, eat, you know, in a negative way, um, things that aren't necessarily good for me, but, you know, I'm going to be getting bigger anyway, so who cares? Or, and this was where I was really, really focused and where I really just like, just got this slap in the face kind of thing where I was like, this is a time in my life where I'm growing a human being inside of me. Forget the physical, forget what I'm about to start looking, you know, going to start, my body is going to be looking like and changing. It is my job to take care of this human being. The food that I put in my body is going directly to the growth of this human being growing inside of me, my child. And no way would I take this time to, you know, just say, oh yeah, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna just eat like food that foods that aren't, you know, fun foods, but aren't necessarily good for my health. Like this is, de this is above all the time to, for me to be focusing on, um, on basically my, on, on making sure I'm have, putting healthy foods in my body and working out properly for the health of this child growing inside of me. And then, you know, I, I think I always believed this somewhat, but I think it really, really was the smack in the face at this point in my life. But, you know, when thinking about that and, and just putting such an emphasis on the food that I put in my body is nurturing the life of the child inside my body. What about my body? What about the person that I am? What about when I'm, you know, even if I wasn't pregnant right now? And what if I, you know, I'm not like, like, why is that fair for me to not look at myself in a way of, uh, for me to look at myself in a way of just, you know, the way I eat and the way I work out is completely just how I'm going, going to affect just how I look. I love myself. I love my body. I want to enjoy the home that I live in. My body is my home for the rest of my life. I can't imagine, you know, just looking at this home and not taking care of it, not making sure it's a place that I feel comfortable in, not making sure that it's a place that I am, you know, that is healthy for me to live in for the rest of my life. Like it, it just kind of was this realization for me and saying, I need to be taking care of myself just as much as I want to be taking care of, you know, the child inside of me in terms of health. And you know, as that, you know, thought and mindset started really to grow, um, I started to really just obviously also see, uh, you know, also with my clients, um, 
just how little the physical really has to do with uh, determining whether or not you're healthy. And it just became my obsession to just let everyone know, put your health first. Stop obsessing about the way you look. That's okay if physical results come, but make it secondary. Make your first and foremost goal, um, like just your health. <laughs> just focus on your health first. So that's yeah, kind of it's, it's interesting how you know, with with a pregnancy, you realize that no matter what you're going to do, you're going to get bigger, and it kind of forces mm -hmm. you to think about: well, is the goal of doing these things only to get smaller? And mm -hmm. the the metamorphosis i guess that you had in your terms of your thinking is mm -hmm. is is really fantastic was there something mm -hmm. specific that you yourself did or that you do with your clients to kind of facilitate that mindset shift um it's really about uh, so I was back to the mental heart mental, that mental health part um it's really about remembering that mental health is such a huge part of your fitness journey and I will pay a lot of close attention to if someone is just, I guess, belittling themselves through this process. And I'm not talking just physically, like you can't, you can't look at fitness and health in the way of like a punishment. If you look at it as I ate this cupcake, so I need to punish myself with this workout, that is a downward spiral. You, you don't want to look at fitness and health as punishments, as you know, a way to punish your beautiful body. It should be a way of congratulating and celebrating your beautiful body that you, you just, I wanna say, oh, so much to. Your body does so much for you and it is there for you every single day to go take over, you know, take over the world <laughs> and get you through even the smallest tasks of your day, even just, breathing, waking up in the morning, like you owe so much to your body and to look at your body in a very, um, I guess detrimental way in the sense of belittling it or saying I'm, I'm the worst and that's why I have to work out. I'm ugly. So that's why I have to work out. I'm, you know, that is not fair. Like I need to punish myself so I have to work out. That is just not okay. So I will really take upon myself to, um, emphasize to any clients that I work with just that factor first. Um, specifically, let's say with my, I have an online program called Lifestyle. And in this online program, there's a private uh, Facebook support group. And in this specific support group, I'm always trying to, you know, whether it's live videos talking about this, whether it's posts talking about this, and just really trying to emphasize this idea and really help people switch mindset. I think it's just, it's a huge, really, really important part of someone's health and fitness journey. Yeah. This, I, it it's such a it, it's so wonderful how clearly you kind of lay out I think that with a lot of these topics and a lot of these concepts they can feel a little bit esoteric um and mm. the the really concrete way that you boil them down and make them really practical is is awesome it's it's really fun I'm I'm so I'm so glad that you took the time to 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 boil it down for me today and I and I oh really am gosh. very grateful for that if somebody wants to learn more about you Esther where can they go so um, I have lots of different social media platforms that they can follow. They can check me out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, um, and, or my website, www.estertaubfitness.com slash lifestyle. Um, specifically, if someone want, would want to 
work with me or anything like that, um, you can contact me through any of these social media platforms. It's Esther Taub Fitness. Um, and yeah, if you want to specifically work with me, um, as I said, I run my online uh, workout program called Lifestyle with hundreds of women who are successfully not only you know, reaching their health goals, but I guess having a healthy mind, a healthy mindset switch. And it's just, it really, it's something that I, uh, I'm just so passionate about. And I, I love, love, love helping women in this way. So um, yeah, that's pretty much how to get in touch with me. <laughs> that is fantastic. The last thing that I want to ask you, Esther, is what I ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is to you, Esther Taub, what does it mean to make an impact? To make an impact is to be true to yourself. I want to say it is to make sure that you're being genuine, to make sure that you are stressing to the world that you are, you're stressing to the world what you believe in and never trying to just go along with what others are believing in just because it's a popular thought or whatever it is. You have to make sure that you are being true to yourself. You're being genuine. And I think people, um, just are really attracted to that. And, um, the more people are attracted towards what you are saying and your genuinity and your honest ways of just wanting to help, you're going to be able to impact others, um, in a great way. So just be yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today, Esther. I really appreciate of course. it. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Esther, her links are in the show notes. There you'll also find links to the most perfect pleated skirt, the coziest scarf, and the most comfortable mask. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. If you'd like to apply to advertise on the Be Impactful podcast, please send me an email at rifke at impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rifki Etzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.myc. As always, here's to making an impact together.